0: Frederick Dard famously said, A smart man is nothing but a failed idiot. Frederick Dard had never been to Washington or spent time on Facebook or Twitter where we have more failed idiots than even Mark Twain could make sport of. And I wouldn't call any of them smart. Confused yet? Good. Here's someone to make sense of the madness. His name is Dan Newman.
1: I don't know about that. I'm kind of confused myself. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Welcome to a brand new week. Welcome to Monday. Can you believe this is our last week in the month of April? Where has 2022 gone? Before long, we're going to be looking at an NFL draft this week. We're going to be looking at the NBA playoffs. And then, of course, we're going to be looking at real football again. Time flies. Maybe it's because you get old, it flies. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know why. I don't know what, but I can tell you this. I don't feel any older than I did this time a year ago, two years ago, or three years ago. I'm not complaining. I kind of like it like it is. (laughs) I guess having a birthday is a whole lot better than not having a birthday, right? Well, 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 how was your weekend? Did you do a lot? Did you get out a lot? We had really good weather in North Louisiana, and I'm going to tell you what, last night I had a enjoyable evening. About 300, between three and 400 men from our church got together and brought in a guy that cooked us a 1,000 pounds of boiled crawfish, sausage, potatoes, corn. I don't know if you like boiled crawfish. If you're from Louisiana, of course, I know you do. You've got to. That's a staple, especially of South Louisiana, where I'm from. But it's some of the best boiled crawfish I've ever eaten. And this is the perfect time of year. They start coming out, uh, being harvested in late February, but they're small. And as they grow during the season, they really get big. I mean, some of them right now are looking like baby lobsters. But this is the perfect time to get them before the shells get hard. And that makes them hard to crack and peel. So April, May, at least till maybe the third week of May, the best time. And if you like boiled crawfish, this is the perfect time to get some. And you can get them all over Louisiana. Um, they raise them year-round. They have these crawfish farms around the state of Louisiana. You drive along I-49 going south, and you look off to the left and the right, and you see these fields that are flooded with water. We used to think those were rice paddies, but they're not. They're converted to raise crawfish in. Isn't that amazing? We Americans, especially we Louisianians, we are uh, creative in what we do, especially when it comes to food. Well, did you get away from the news a couple of days during the weekend? Just get away from it, the insanity, so you could put it to the side and not have to worry about it? A lot of us did that. And that's not a bad idea to do every once in a while. But never fear, while you were doing that, we were grabbing all the good and important stuff. Not all good, but it's good to know all those things. And we're going to bring you up to date. We're going to visit with some folks that you want to hear from. Sky News down in Australia had a little bit to weigh in about our president over the weekend. We've got that for you. And also... I guess one of the biggest things going on right now, besides the fact that it looks like Elon Musk may be getting the green light to go ahead and close this deal to buy Twitter. We're going to get into that and the ramifications of that in a little bit, but we're going to start the show today over in Europe. Why don't we do that? This Russia-Ukraine thing, it's just totally out of hand. Nobody can figure what's going on over there, but did you know? Two of our top diplomats were over there, secretly, visiting with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky over the weekend. He met with Secretary of State Antony Blinken, and along with Antony came Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. They met yesterday, and that marks the highest-level visit to Kiev since the beginning of the Russian invasion. Yes, they're meeting with the president, said Aristovich who is Ukrainian presidential advisor, and he reported that to the Associated Press. Let's hope something will be decided on further help, he said. So these talks come as Zelensky is continuing to pressure the United States to give them more weapons and security promises, and Russia's stepping up its campaign in eastern Ukraine's Donbass region. You can't come to us empty-handed today. We're expecting not just presents or some kind of cakes. We're expecting specific things and specific weapons, Zelensky said. He spoke about hope earlier yesterday morning during his Easter address. This great holiday gives us hope and unwavering belief that light will defeat darkness, good will defeat evil, life will defeat death, and therefore Ukraine is certain to triumph. He says, so there's, there's a whole lot of news coming out of Ukraine and much of it's about Russia and much of that news is not good news, at least for Russia. Some of this stuff popped out over the weekend. We get a lot of our stuff over the weekend from some, uh, European and Asian news outlets that we don't get from our people here. So have you heard the scale of the Russian troop losses? Over 21,000 now, as Putin's war rumbles into its third month yesterday. Can you believe that? The latest stats, now this is published by the Ukrainian land forces, suggest 21,800 Russian fighters have been killed amid the bitter resistance, unexpected resistance from Ukraine's armed forces. Though this figure could not be verified, of course, Vladimir Putin's not going to verify it. It makes him look bad. Meanwhile, land forces claim to have dealt massive damages to Russia's military equipment and their machinery. And just before we went live this morning, it was reported that Ukrainian missiles hit a refinery in Russia, just across the border in Russia. That's interesting, isn't it? These Ukrainian fighters, they just don't give up so regarding the losses for russia a total of 873 tanks are said to have been destroyed along with 2238 armored vehicles 179 planes 154 helicopters and 408 artillery systems they rolled putin's forces did across the border on february 24th from the north from the east and the south And they quickly made a beeline for the capital, Kiev, which is up in the northeast section of the nation. But they were forced to withdraw from the outskirts in late March and refocus their efforts on a targeted offensive in the eastern Donbass region after Ukraine successfully stopped their advances. And they were sustaining really heavy losses with the Russians. So Russia's vast troop losses have been put down to poor tactical decision by Vladimir Putin's military leaders and a considerable underestimation of the capabilities of Ukraine. At the start of this whole thing, Russia's military dwarfed that of Ukraine, and it it led a lot of people, including me, to believe that the invasion would be swift and it would end quickly and it wouldn't be good for Ukraine. And then on February 24th, Russia's land army consisted of 280,000 full-time active soldiers, compared with Ukraine's 125,000. But the amount of Russian soldiers needed to seize a whole country and control the entire population, it would take close to a million. That's according to Michael Clark, who's a professor in King's College London's Department of War Studies, suggesting that the Kremlin woefully underestimated the kind of force was necessary to force Ukraine into submission. So it's not looking that bad is it for the Ukrainian people. I know I know the country is devastated. Its infrastructure has just been blown to bits. We we've, we've been told by credible sources several times that at least half of the ground space across the entire nation and you're talking about a massive ground Area for the nation of Ukraine. It's the second biggest country in Europe, second only to Russia. Half of it is mine, landmines, the Russian soldiers. They're putting mines everywhere. That's interesting philosophy. Also, it's very unusual, with the exception of this guy, Vladimir Putin, to just declare open war and just slaughter not just military people, but civilians across the nation. There's going to be hell to pay for Vladimir Putin at some point for this. Let's just hope they can get this thing to stop. So what else is happening? Well, folks, we've got a whole lot of things going on domestically that I I just have bad feelings about. Bad feelings about it. It looks like our government is involved in a plan to take away our free speech. That in itself is pretty darn scary to me. And we all need to think about it. And as we think about it, let's talk about it. Dan Newman, First Thoughts. So First Thoughts this Monday morning. You remember the far-right Website Infowars. You remember that? They were one of the first that really got caught up in this our media clamping down on free speech. And they were busted by all the major tech platforms back in 2018. Mainstream media outlets didn't come to the defense of founder Alex Jones of Infowars. They described him as, of course, a conspiracy theorist. Isn't that what they describe anybody? and everybody that doesn't agree with their narrative. Whatever it is, whoever puts it out there and whoever decides, right? So here we are two years later. These same outlets had a similar non-response when big tech imposed another media ban. Remember this one? On the New York Post, one of America's oldest and most well-established newspapers. In October of 2020, Facebook suppressed... An accurate Washington, uh, New York Post story on the laptop and business dealings of Hunter Biden. Twitter then blocked users from postings or reading the story, and even locked the post primary Twitter account. Both tech giants said they acted. Here's their reasoning: to prevent the spread of misinformation. So prominent media outlets like the New York Times either ignored the story about Hunter or they cast doubt on its authenticity, although they readily reported, remember this on that debunk now, public letter signed by 51 of the smartest people on earth, 51 former intelligence officials. They embraced that, but they wouldn't even let Americans make a determination on that original story by the New York Post. The media's growing acceptance, it grows every day, of big tech censorship of the press from 2018 to 2020, that highlights an ongoing and intensifying trend, a scary one. Pillars of the mainstream media establishment, who have long championed the First Amendment, they've demanded it from all of us, are now expressing ambivalence if not hostility to that former embraced free flow of information you know that free speech thing that thing that uh i guess the first kind of definition or explanation of what the first amendment was all about i've heard it again and again and again what it does it guarantees that anybody can say anything to anybody and it, it's okay it's free speech Elon Musk bid to buy Twitter. We've got some more about that today in our show. And Take the Company Private shined a really strong spotlight on this trend by big tech and big media last week. Washington Post columnist Max Boot, he wrote he's worried that Musk acquiring Twitter will pose an existential threat to democracy. I love that term, that phrase, existential threat. Boots said in an editorial he wrote, "Must seems to believe that on social media anything goes. For democracy to survive, we need more con- content moderation, not less. Moderation, folks. You, you, you know what the definition is in this context censorship. MSNB host Katie Turr expressed similar concerns about Musk's stated mission to make Twitter more of a haven for free speech. She said, those things are real and devastating and life and globe altering consequences for letting people lie and run wild on Twitter. Axios, their perspective, Musk threat level is that of a very dangerous beast. And then there's CNBC, host Jim Cramer, the Securities and Exchange Commission guy which has governmental authority over Musk's takeover bid, is mutilating the agency Musk is alleged to be doing. CBS correspondent Vladimir Dudier described Musk as like a Bond, James Bond villain now, saying his initial purchase of a big stake in Twitter before his push to buy the whole thing was a very Bond villain ...move to pull. I didn't know James Bond was a villain. Bloomberg senior columnist Timothy O'Brien published a column arguing Musk investment in Twitter could be bad news for free speech. Musk himself has described himself as a, and I'm quoting him, free speech absolutist. And he lambasted Twitter for censoring content, stating... He wants to implement changes to make Twitter more amenable to free speech. Go figure. If in doubt, let the speech exist. That's what Musk said recently at the TED 2022 conference in Vancouver. If it's a gray area, I would say let the tweet exist. We want to be very reluctant to delete things and cautious with permanent bans. My strong intuitive sense is that having a public platform that is maximally trusted and broadly inclusive is extremely important to the future, not of the United States, Elon Musk said, to the future of civilization. Despite those comments, CNN correspondent Brian Stelter, everybody's favorite CNN spokesperson, he has expressed fear at the prospect, of Musk taking over Twitter, described the billionaire entrepreneur as a troll. Several other journalists have warned that much of the media establishment liberal users would leave Twitter if Musk buys Twitter and is able to implement his free speech vision. Concerned about his Twitter bid was also evidence in the entertainment industry over the weekend, made its way onto Saturday Night Live. That's a show that depends on free speech, by the way, for it to be successful. Elon Musk offered to buy Twitter for over $40 billion so he can loosen its free speech rules. That came from one cast member on SNL. That's how badly white guys want to use the N-word. This uneasiness with opening up the flow of info felt by those who make their living through the dissemination of information, may be an acceleration of a phenomenon that began years ago. The media was largely MIA in the defense of former CBS reporter and podcast host on Just the News, Cheryl Atkinson. They ignored the fact that she alleged the Obama administration's Department of Justice spied on her home and her electronic devices, to determine who was leaking information to her for a string of her investigative stories. Prominent media outlets were similarly silent when House Democrats, led by Mr. I Know Everything, Adam Schiff, subpoenaed and published phone records of just the news editor-in-chief, John Solomon, in 2019 as part of their bid. Remember, he was using this to begin the impeachment of Donald Trump, the first one. The press corps might also notice that Schiff's targets include one of their own, John Solomon, who was until recently a columnist at The Hill and whose reporting called attention to Ukraine's involvement in the 2016 election. That came from the Wall Street Journal editorial board. How is Mr. Solomon's reporting trail relevant to impeachment? The media usually condemn government officials who use surveillance to track and intimidate the media. But here they are, cheering Adam Schiff on. Today, the media seem to be pushing for big tech just to arbitrarily shut down so-called misinformation, even if it means narrowing press freedom. Here's another example. 2016, the New York Times editorial board wrote that companies like Facebook and Google, allow fake news to be shared nearly instantly with millions of users and need to block it quicker. Since then, the Times has repeatedly advocated big tech blocking misinformation, including posts from Donald Trump. But last month, <laughs> the New York Times editorial board seemed to backtrack and said people should be able to express unpopular positions without being shut out of public discourse. But just three weeks later, New York Times podcast host Kara Swisher, who is, by the way, a longtime tech reporter, objected to the notion that Twitter even engages in censorship, arguing the platform instead suspends or bans people using content moderation, which is pretty much a nod to the idea that platforms should police content. About half of Americans get at least some of their news from social media platforms. That's according to the Pew Research Center. Now you understand why all these big tech folks on the left, they want Twitter and Facebook to be able to Twitter. Twitter censor anybody and everybody for what they say. Big tech efforts to monitor content for misinformation remember all the COVID-19 stuff out there, and then there was the 2020 election, have not only been cheered on by key establishment media voices, but also aided and cheered on by the government. It's making a deadly historical partnership, folks. Recently, Homeland Security put out a National Terrorism Advisory Bulletin which discussed how, quote, conspiracy theories Misleading narratives and mis- and disinformation can fuel foreign and domestic terrorism. The bulletin cited false or misleading narratives regarding unsubstantiated widespread election fraud and COVID-19 online as key factors contributing to the current heightened threat environment. In 2018, some conservative members of the media warned that big social media platforms banning infomores, which just filed for Chapter 11 protection, by the way, could lead to a slippery slope of further censorship. Other journalists call such fears overblown. Whether that was a turning point or not, the establishment, the legacy media, mainstream media, whatever they want to call themselves, is expressing a striking indifference to growing restrictions on press freedom. Sounds to me, it sounds eerily like what was happening in Hitler's Germany in the run-up to World War II. The first thing he took over when he got his seat in government, the very first thing he did, there was no television, very little radio, He went to every newspaper, and he walked in or had some of his henchmen walk into these newspapers across Germany, and he told them, from this point forward, we will bring you the stories that you will cover, and you will cover no other ones. And if they would not agree, you know what he did? He shut them down. Using the same philosophy and justification as you heard us just mention, one after another. No, there was no Facebook. There was no Twitter. There was no Google, YouTube, none of that. There was no television. But big government always finds willing people out there that want to be viewed in a good light by big government. So they'll put everything, every resource, everything they can possibly grab a hold of, they'll put it in the hands of big government. And the justification is, they won't say it, but the justification is at the end of the day, they're going to be part of big government. Isn't that interesting? I want you to listen to this. This is from a very famous guy. I'm not going to tell you who it is until you hear him talk.
2: All this. I mean, you know, this is not the thing. There's two kinds of dangers. One is what I just... Talked about that. We've arranged a society based on science and technology In which nobody understands anything about science and technology and this Combustible mixture of ignorance and power sooner or later is going to blow up in our faces I mean who is running the science and technology in a democracy if the people don't know anything about it and the second reason that um, I'm worried about this is that science is more than a body of knowledge it's a way of thinking a way of skeptically interrogating the universe with a fine understanding of human fallibility if if we are not able to ask skeptical questions to interrogate those who tell us Mm -hmm. that something is true to be skeptical of those in authority then we're up for grabs for the next charlatan political or religious who comes ambling along
1: What he had to say applied to everything that we've looked at, the 2020 election, all of the misinformation over and over again during COVID-19, our pandemic, politics at every level, media at every level. And he hit the head. He basically said, if we can't ask these questions, if we can't express our thoughts and our opinions, We're just going to fall apart. That was Carl Sagan, the great philosopher. And he said that 25 years ago. And he was speaking about American lifestyle 25 years ago. We are way, way, way down the road, Carl. Way down the road from where you thought it was the beginning of the end. So where are we on that timeline now as a United States? I mean, you can't talk about anything. <laughs> you get you get plastered. I mean, you get denigrated. Remember remember when all of the questions began to be asked around the nation about the results of the 2020 election. And it was staggering to me just simply because I didn't have access I'm a journalist, but I didn't have access to all of the data, all of the information. But when I began to listen to the sworn testimony of people that were being involved in these legislative from these various states, they would hold these hearings and would bring these people in, sworn testimony. And these people were obviously giving reports about factual things they saw. And then all of a sudden, what happened? The media quit talking about it. Why is that? They were being threatened by sponsors. They were being laughed at. And they were being told, at least the people upstairs in these media outlets like Fox News, One America News, Newsmax, Wall Street Journal, don't talk about the 2020 election being stolen there's no evidence that proves that today folks 13 states have found absolute proof that the 2020 election at least a huge part of it was rife with fraud we don't know how many votes were abused how many were cast illegally but we know there were massive numbers of it. And of course, when you bring that up, the first thing somebody on the left, any of these media allies, Brian Stelter, prime example, if you bring it up, oh, there's no way you can prove that that fraud was good enough or sufficient to overthrow and change the results of the election. Here's the question we as free Americans need to ask. At what point are you comfortable with giving up the validity of your vote and the promise that your vote's going to count. How many of you's is it okay to lose their vote because somebody else decided to cheat? When is cheating okay? To what level? To what point? Our United States government, our philosophy of freedom in everything, freedom of speech, right to assemble, right to express your opinion when we begin to think and feel like it's okay to take a little bit here and a little bit there, when we start justifying that, folks, our liberty is eroding far quicker than we ever thought it was. We're in a mode now where we need to think very seriously about this one question. Can we resolve and stop this and right the ship? Can we stop it? Can we change it? Wow. It's kind of a somber way to start the week, wouldn't you say? But I think it's something that we all need to think about. I think we need to ponder. And we need to put that in when we're answering questions or trying to get answers to questions on things that we see and hear every day. We need to be very, very clear and very, very careful that we don't just benignly swallow something anybody tells, I don't care who it is, if it's a conservative, if it's a Republican, if it's a Democrat, just because they're somebody with a title or they have a job and a title in an outside media company, just because somebody says it or writes it, don't just say, okay, And forget about it. Question everything you hear. Question. And do it objectively. Yeah, you'll get tired doing it because it happens so much. And every day we get more and more and more of that that we need to analyze and come up with our own answers. It's not just important for you. It's important for the current. Generation that are taking over our government, our kids that are being indoctrinated about everything and anything that somebody else out there wants and not us. Can we stop it? Is it too late? I don't think it's too late. But it definitely will take us putting our shoulder to the task and aggressively pushing back because the left has been quietly pushing for an entire generation, especially at our schools, our elementary schools, our kindergarten schools. And they very quietly, surreptitiously stolen the hearts and minds of many of our children. And we'll have that in a generation that I don't think we can ever unlearn them from what they've been taught. But the fundamentals of this nation or what makes this nation and has made and kept this nation the most powerful country on the earth for 260 years. If those principles are gone, so is this nation gone too. We have a lot of things to get into today, some folks I want you to hear from. Um, Of course, the Hunter Biden laptop business, It's just growing every day. Something new comes out. Over the weekend, there was a bunch. We're going to get into that. Tucker Carlson's going to come. Stephen Hilton is going to come. And up next, Tucker, what's happening to the massive numbers of weapons that the United States is sending to Ukraine? It doesn't look like they're getting to the right places. And if you listen to President Volodymyr Zelensky. We aren't sending nearly enough, but yet we're, we're billions of dollars into our support. What's going on with that?
2: We may not be able to lower the cost of gas, but we can do something about how many miles you will
3: drive per gallon. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store today and let us help you increase the performance of your car or truck. Simple things like replacing your air filter, changing worn out spark plugs,
2: and using fuel injector cleaner can add up to better fuel economy and big savings. There's an O'Reilly Auto Parts store close to you that has the name brands, low prices, and people who can help. Restore lost fuel economy and eliminate rough idle with Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner. Right now at O'Reilly Auto Parts by two and get one free. Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner quickly cleans clogged injectors to increase fuel efficiency and help your vehicle run smooth. Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner, buy two, get one free at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supply, see store for details. O'Reilly,
4: oh, 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 O'Reilly. O'Reilly, Auto Parts. Dinner, dinner, dinner. Every day you have to think of what's for dinner. Well, now Subway has a solution that is sure to please every person you have to feed for that last meal of the day. It's called Dinner Tonight. Every day after 4 p.m., Subway is offering a Dinner Tonight special, which includes two regular 6-inch subs, two bags of chips, and two 21-ounce fountain drinks, all for just $11.99. This offer is available all day long on Sundays. Subway of Kodiak. Eat fresh. fresh.
5: Drinking water is essential to your health. That's why you need to drink plenty of water to keep you hydrated throughout the day. Unlike power drinks or soft drinks, water is truly the only drink that can quench your thirst. It's an easy, refreshing way to keep your body healthy and strong. Freshen up today with a brisk, cool bottle of water.
1: Our friends from down under, Australia, Sky News, they're going to weigh in in just a little bit about the current status, at least the mental and emotional status of the President of the United States. But before that, going into the break, I ask you this question. Where is all of the equipment? And when I say equipment, I'm talking about weapons, artillery, supplies, ammunition, where is all of that stuff going? Because it appears it's not all getting to the Ukrainian people, at least at the front with Russia. Tucker Carlson weighed in over the weekend and asked that same question.
6: So inflation is higher than it's been in generations, maybe than it's been ever, depending how you measure it. So Joe Biden's response, he's gonna print a lot more money and send it to the government of Ukraine.
7: Today, I'm announcing another $800 million to further augment Ukraine's ability to fight in the east in the Donbas region. This package includes heavy artillery weapons, dozens of howitzers, and 144,000 rounds of ammunition to go with those howitzers. It also includes more tactical drones. Sometimes it will speak softly and carry a large javelin, because we're sending a lot of those in as well. Oh, spare us this stupid
6: Churchill stuff. It's not just the guns that we're sending. The Treasury Secretary announced today we're sending another half a billion to pay for the salaries of workers in the Ukrainian government. Is that government... Should we be doing that? But more to the point, what happens to all these weapons that we send to Ukraine? Well, according to CNN, we don't know. Quote, The U.S. has few ways to track the weaponry to send across the borders, so the weapons are disappearing. Fast. Watch. The first
5: shipments of that new, more heavy-duty military assistance for Ukraine started arriving in the region over the weekend. But there is already concern that more equipment may be needed soon. A U.S. official said there is growing concerns about the ammunition inventory of the Ukrainians, as it's expected that heavy ground combat will be picking up in the coming days in eastern Ukraine. Now, this new round of $800 million worth of security assistance includes 18 howitzers and 40,000 artillery rounds. But a source said that those could be expended and used in just a matter of days. Now, the Pentagon has been working trying to address how to arm the Ukrainians faster.
6: So they've beaten you into submission with moral lectures. Meanwhile, the White House has sent more than a billion dollars to Ukraine in just the past week. And then today, as we told you, the Secretary of the Treasury announced we're sending another half a billion to pay the salaries of Ukrainian government workers. Shouldn't we have an audit of Zelensky's finances first? Oh, shut up. That's Russian disinformation. Colonel Doug McGregor is a former senior advisor to Secretary of Defense. He joins us tonight. Doug, thanks so much for coming on. So is there no concern that, because we've seen this so often in the past, that weapons that we send to a war zone might wind up in the wrong places?
8: Well, I think there is some concern, but not enough to uh, stop the hemorrhage of uh, materiel and money into Ukraine. We've had terrible problems in the past with accounting for where weapons and ammunition go. We saw that in Southeast Asia. We've seen it in Iraq and Afghanistan. And I think we can say with some certainty that many of these weapons will end up in the hands of people we'd rather never see them in. But that aside, if you listen to what President Biden said today, he's conveying the impression that any of this will change the outcome. It will not. What's happening right now in the Donbass is the final annihilation of what remains of Ukraine's best forces down in the southeastern corner of the country. Uh, they, They can't change that. Remember, the distance from Poland to the battlefront is roughly the same as the distance between St. Louis and New York City. They don't have the infrastructure to train people. They don't have the infrastructure to sustain the equipment and then they've got to move it. I'm afraid the only thing we're doing is escalating tensions with Russia and turning Western Ukraine into a large target set for Russian missiles, rockets, and uh, airstrikes.
6: I, 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 this is also sad for so many people, mostly the Ukrainian civilians caught in the middle of it. Are we making life better for them? It seems like we're fighting to the last Ukrainian, to me.
8: Well, we are, and, and the thing is, I, I really think the president and his supported, uh, supporting advisors believe that somehow or another they're going to arrive at a negotiating table in the future where they will be able to dictate terms to Moscow. And that's not going to happen. And if there is no negotiated settlement, then western Ukraine just becomes a firing range. Anytime they see any evidence for significant military uh, equipment show up, they'll destroy it from a distance because the Russians have never been interested in crossing the Dnieper River. They were always interested in destroying the Ukrainian forces. That job's about through. Uh, So I think the, the sad truth of the matter is that this is a proxy war in which we're sending large numbers of Ukrainians to die without any real hope that will attain anything of importance to them.
6: God, it's so depressing. And it's especially as you put it that way, as clearly as you do. Colonel Douglas McGregor, thank you so much for joining us
1: tonight. As a matter of fact, I am almost 100% certain that our leaders in Washington, D.C., including those two that went to Ukraine this weekend and met with Zelensky, that would be our Secretary of State and Secretary of Defense, I think both of them were shocked. They felt like, hey, we're the United States of America. We have the greatest diplomacy. We have the massive lead in weaponry and expertise, yada, 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 yada. And we're the United States of America. So when we take on for a partner of ours, when we go to military action, we're just going to blow anybody away. And they need to know that. So they'll just back off. Vladimir Putin has no history at all in his life, in his professional career, of doing that. What made Antony Blinken, our Secretary of State, think that he could diplomatically stop this? And then Lloyd Austin, Secretary of Defense, he was blown away. He can't believe it. Remember, this is the guy that made the decisions down in Afghanistan that led to what we're still living in today with Hundreds of Americans still caught behind enemy lines in Afghanistan and they were all supposed to be brought out before our military left in September last year. And don't forget this. Lloyd Austin was the commander of CENTCOM back in the Benghazi days. He's the guy that made all of the big decisions regarding not sending our troops in To save our bureaucrats and our great army and our Navy military people that were there in Benghazi that were all slaughtered. And this is the guy that he thinks he's going to take on Putin and beat him. I got to be honest with you. We are inept at the top of our government Department of State, Department of Defense, and the White House. We're at an extreme disadvantage. Volodymyr Zelensky, who was a comedian, an actor, a comic, before he ran for president, was elected in Ukraine, he's got more on the ball than any of those three men I just mentioned combined. And it's because he's factual. He's literal. He's seeing what happens before his eyes. And he's not coming up with some grandeur, Oh, picture of success and joy and happiness and all that because none of that is happening in Ukraine. It's kind of like that old saying, it's stupid to come to a gunfight with a knife. And that's what Volodymyr Zelensky and his people have right now. Meanwhile, where in the heck is our president? If you've ever wondered why this president, Joe Biden, is making the decisions that he makes or not making the decisions that he should make, if you've ever wondered, you're not going to see any examples or any explanations from our mainstream media. None of them will even mention his cognitive disability, any possible decline there. None of them. And when he makes these stupid mistakes, which he makes every day with his mouth, none of them weigh in and say anything about it. And what's saddest of all is there are millions of Americans out there that are digesting this from these mainstream media platforms, and because they're not bringing it up, anybody else that brings it up, oh, you're just a conspiracy theorist. Joe's okay. He's the president. Yeah, you know, he's approaching 80 years old and... We all slow down a little bit when we get in that age. You can't slow down in the White House. You can't slow down with the highest inflation in this generation. And that's if you believe what they're telling us our inflation rate is. And who would they be? It would be the Joe Biden administration. You don't think they're going to fudge a little bit with the factual data, do you? (laughs) You know they are. And then there's Joe Biden himself.
5: It's now time to check in with the fearless, bold, razor-sharp leader of the free world, the 46th President of the United States, Joe Robinette Biden. Let's listen to his response when asked about Title 42 in relation to illegal
7: immigration. President,
9: I'm, i I'm Title 42, sir. Are you considering delaying lifting
7: Title 42? No. What I'm considering is continuing to hear from my, uh, my uh, well, first of all, there's gonna be an appeal by the Justice Department. Because as a matter of principle, we wanna be able to be in a position where if in fact it is strongly concluded by the scientists that we need Title 42, that we'd be able to do that. But there has been no decision on extending Title 42.
5: That is just incredible. To be clear, he was asked about Title 42, which is a Trump-era policy that allows the US to quickly expel migrants to their country of origin when they've crossed the border illegally. Biden's answer there was about the appeal on mask mandates on planes, but he also mentioned Title 42. This is what he said, word for word. He said, no. What I'm considering is continuing to hear from my my, first of all, there's going to be an appeal by the Justice Department because as a matter of principle, we want to be able to be in a position where if, in fact, it is strongly concluded by the scientists that we need Title 42, that we'd be able to do that. But there has been no decision on extending Title 42. This isn't just misspeaking or a stutter the man has no clue what he is talking about. Now, let's not forget the media wanted to ship Trump off to the funny farm because he walked slowly down a ramp. But we've got the current president and his obvious cognitive decline being largely ignored by the bulk of the US media. Biden's weekly gaffe tally is rising. Here he is talking about natural wonders.
7: You know, our natural wonders uh, are, uh, you know, inspire and the, the reflection inspires us to take action. You know. Um, uh. But what we
5: love about Joe is that he always knows where he is and who he is talking to.
7: And we're also joined today by uh, uh, Larson and. Uh, and uh, uh, <laughs> I know. You're going to.
5: he was again bragging about all the time he has spent with Xi Jinping.
7: I was with Xi Jinping. I've traveled with 17,000 miles and spent more time with many other world leaders over a total of, I think, and we're up to 90-some hours of talking or meeting together over the last six, seven years. And we're in the foothills of the Tibet
5: Biden keeps boasting about time spent with Xi, not just in the foothills of the Tibet, as he called it, but also the foothills of the Himalayas.
7: America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was in, foot, uh, foot, foot, excuse me, in the foothills of the Himalayas with Xi Jinping, traveling with him, think we traveled 17,000 miles when I was vice president. I don't know that for a fact.
5: So in that short clip from earlier this month, he goes from failing to name the one word that best defines America to lying about the time he has spent with G. It's such a bold-faced lie that he has repeated so often that even his friendly media outlets like the Washington Post had to run a gentle fact check. A fact check, mind you, peppered with compliments for Sleepy Joe, but nevertheless, one that found his claim worthy of three Pinocchios. That's not good.
1: Three Pinocchios from the Washington Post. And you know whoever the Pinocchio distributor at the Washington Post is, you know, they were like, Oh my gosh, do we have to do this? You know, we don't want him to look any worse than he is right now. We don't have anybody to put up against whoever from the Republican side in 2024. We've just got to prop him up and help him get through this. He needs to get his act together. It ain't happening folks. There's no there, there. It's sad. You don't want to demean the man. He obviously has health issues that are overcoming his ability to think and reason and even speak. He can't remember anything. It's really sad. But as sad as it is, here we are, the United States of America. It's a pretty big deal for us to have a commander-in-chief. It's got everything together. That his cheese hadn't slipped off his toast. I mean, come on, man. We got to get this this thing straightened out. Look at what's happening around the world and look who's there to fix it for us. We have this boiling pot in Europe with Ukraine and Russia. There's no diplomacy. There's nobody reaching out and sitting down with Vladimir Putin, compromising, working a deal. Formally, it would be the United States of America. If Donald Trump was in presidency... If it had ever happened, which I don't think it would have, he would step in and start cutting deals to resolve it, to stop it. One thing we don't really like to talk about is the thousands of civilians that have been killed in this invasion in Ukraine. It's humane, inhumane what is happening there. Nobody's talking about that. That should be the beginning. The only thing that really matters is we've got to stop this unprovoked invasion. And they've been saying that now we're in our third month. We're two days into the third month of Putin's invasion of Ukraine. Nobody's standing up to the bully. All they're doing is standing out on the sidewalk throwing rocks at him. Everybody's afraid that if they get too serious with Vladimir Putin, he's going to lob a couple of nukes. Let me tell you this much, folks. If Putin wants to lob any nukes at anybody, guess what he's going to do? He's going to lob nukes at them. He doesn't give a rip what Joe Biden thinks or what Boris Johnson thinks. He doesn't care. If it's something that he wants, he's going to go for it. It's the definition of being a despot. Which is what he is. He is an autocratic dictator wannabe despot who hates anybody and everybody who has a different opinion than his. And he's 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 just doing what he does. He acts that out. He got something in his craw about Ukraine. And to be quite honest with you, the thirty-plus biotechnological laboratories the United States. Had scattered around Ukraine thanks to our CIA. Only God knows what's been being created there. Wouldn't surprise me at some point if we find out a weaponized SARS CoV 2 was weaponized in Ukraine in one of those laboratories. We're in a bad spot. We're in a bad place with the President of the United States, who he doesn't have a clue where he is that makes it worse. And then we also have besides our massive inflation, besides supply chain issues that haven't been addressed yet alone fixed. Have you been to the store lately? I went into the grocery store this weekend. A bunch of the st- let, let me give you one example. We use grape jam. Now this may sound trite. Grape jam. Not jelly, grape jam for the last 3 weeks at Walmart at Kro- uh, Walmart at Kroger and at Target in the grocery sections over a 3 year a 3 week period there's no grape jam there's no jam at all only thing they have is jelly nobody's talking about our supply chain issues they're back they're back and let me tell you what else is back we got trouble Hunter, Hunter Biden, and Joe, that's next. Real Truth, Real News, TNN, the Truth News Network. It's mycomputercareer.edu.
3: Are you sure we should be out here? It's pretty cloudy. Come on, that'll pass. Really? I don't know. Yeah, That's just, just swing. I'm holding swing. a... Swing! <sighs> ah! <laughs> uh?
0: Whoa. Looks like someone could have used Yahoo
4: OneSearch on his mobile phone. <laughs> Try Yahoo OneSearch and get news, sports, even weather. Get better results. Text weather and your zip code to 92466. Be a better golfer. Yahoo! Standard carrier text messaging rates apply. New Dunkin' Refreshers. Vibrant fruit flavors like strawberry dragon fruit and peach passion fruit. B vitamins and energy from green tea. All under 200 calories. Order ahead via the Dunkin' app for a contactless way to order, pay, and pick up in the drive-thru. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.
0: You're standing against the tide of creeping insanity. One truth at a time. TNN. The Truth News Network.
1: Before we weigh into the Hunter Biden stuff, big news this morning, Tesla, Elon Musk and Tesla. I never would have thought that Elon Musk would have had any desire whatsoever to get involved in a social media platform. I mean, I would think with his SpaceX and then of course with Tesla, his plate would be pretty full. So I was shocked a few weeks ago when it was announced he bought 12.5% of the stock of Tesla, excuse me, of, of Twitter. But he did, and then everybody began to perk up, and all of the conspiracy theories began, and mainstream media started screaming and crying. It was wah wah wah. He's a free speech guy. We we went into that in our opening segment today. But here we are today, and it looks like, and and, and here's why I'm let me get, let me just build up to what I'm about to tell you. In big business, in corporate um, corporations publicly owned, publicly held corporations, whenever there's going to be something big that's going to happen, have you ever noticed if it's good, somebody will leak, there'll be a little leak that'll come out and you know, stories coming out say it may happen. And when those start coming, those are very normally strategically placed tidbits going out of the news. Why would they do that? guess what's happening to Twitter stock today? It's up over $50 a share. Two months ago, it was $17 a share. What's the difference, Elon Musk? It looks like Elon and the Twitter board of directors have reached a deal. They haven't announced it yet. But I will tell you this, I don't have any Twitter stock. Of course, now I wish I did. (laughs) I wish I had it at $17 a share. But typically what happens, especially in the case of when there's going to be a takeover involved, what do the board of directors have to offer Elon Musk? What do they have to offer their shareholders, the people that own stock in their company? What's their commitment as directors of the board to make the value of that company higher than it was when they became directors of the board? And so now they're going to be able to come out of this thing with a smile on their faces because look at what they've done. On their actions, they have helped the value of each share of Twitter stock go from $17 to $50 a share. Now, let me tell you something very unusual and very sad. Normally, when you have a big company like this, those who serve on the board of directors, they own a massive amount of company stock. They're really invested. You know, they have their skin in the game. Do you know that the collective stock ownership by all of the members of the board of directors of Twitter combined is less than one-tenth of one percent of the stock of Twitter? They don't have any skin in the game. So if they can make this thing happen with Elon and get this kind of money for the stockholder shares, they're going to come out smelling really good. It looks, it looks, it looks like that deal is going to happen. $43 billion is what's on the table from Elon Musk. And just remember this, Twitter hasn't been a very successful big company in the stock market. Their stock is just rolled around. It's virtually, and why would that be? It's because it doesn't make a lot of money. And you know what Elon Musk is going to do. And this is going to horrify the left, everybody on the left. If and when this happens, he's going to turn it into an open forum. Everybody, good or bad, within reason. But there will be no censorship based on political ideology. There won't be that anymore. He's going to make it be a free speech outlet. And what's going to happen then? You watch the stock then. It's going to roar because profits are going to go through the roof. And Elon Musk is going to make much, much more money and be even more wealthy (laughs) than he is today. And that is just roasting a lot of people on the left. They love the fact that big tech censorship takes care of them. Last week, you heard Barack Obama. We, we played it here when he did his little speech saying, basically, we need big tech to censor even more speech than they are now because we've got to stop all of the conspiracies that are out there. Never mentioning that a lot of the conspiracies that are out there come from the left. But they're not conspiracies if they come from the left, right? All right, going into the break, we mentioned Hunter Biden. There's every day now, more and more news coming out. And it's confirming a couple of things. Everything that comes out confirms this. Hunter Biden, he was a great, great salesperson and mover and shaker of all of then-Vice President Joe Biden's assets, significant political assets that he could bring to industry and commercial business for his son, He has a speckled history in the United States Senate of opening all kinds of doors to those around him, financial doors, and he has always been at the bottom of it. But of course, we've heard again and again and again when Joe Biden has been asked about his dealings with Hunter Biden and Hunter's foreign investment opportunities and all that, not only was he not directly involved in it, not only was he not indirectly involved in any of it he never spoke to any any of hunter biden's constituents in business and he never spoke to hunter biden nor his brother jim joe's brother jim about their investment opportunities well guess what it looks like uncle joe lied
4: new reports showing hunter biden's most prominent business partner once had an official sit-down with then-Vice President Joe Biden back in 2010. In fact, logs obtained by the New York Post show that Eric Schwerin visited the White House and other prominent locations 19 times between 2009 and 2015. We're just showing, those are just nine of them on the screen, they met 19 times. Including a sit-down with Joe Biden himself and meetings with his staff and top staff. New York Post reporter John Levine broke the story and joins us now. John, thank you very much uh, for being here and fascinating work that you're doing uh, in uncovering this. What do these meetings tell you? On top of what we've learned from the laptop, these meetings, the timing of them, who he's meeting with, um, what does it tell you?
3: Well, you know, the Hunter Biden story is really a very simple one. In 2019, Joe Biden said he never had any foreign business dealings or never had any involvement in his son's foreign business dealings. And yet now there's a growing mm-hmm. body of evidence to suggest that that's just not true. And and here we have the president of Hunter Biden's investment company, Eric Schwerin, going to the White House and other official locations 19, at least 19 times and having a meeting with Joe Biden and top aides to Joe Biden and top aides to Jill Biden and what were they talking about? What were these meetings, you know, what was what was Eric saying to Joe? What was Joe saying to Eric? Why were there so many meetings? I know, it's lucky to go to the White House once, let alone 19 times. Um, there were also meetings at the yeah, Eisenhower right. Executive you- Office building and the vice president's residence. So there's just, the big thing is we just don't know what the meetings were about. There's an area in the logs called but- description, which are unfortunately blank for a lot of the most interesting ones. <laughs>
4: Oh, wow. Okay. So no description on them. But what you're doing is connecting the dots. There was a meeting with uh, between Eric uh, Schwerin, again, the president of that firm with Joe Biden in November of 2010. Well, there's an email from the laptop from July of 2010, about a couple of months before that meeting. Here's what it said. This is Eric Schwerin in an email to Hunter Biden. He wrote, your dad just called me, meaning Joe Biden, about his mortgage and mentioned he'd be out a lot soon and not really back until Labor Day. He could use some positive news about his future earning potential this is about the vice president of the united states in 2010 concerned about his future earning potential in an email to hunter biden and eric schwerins the man who sent it and also the man who met with joe biden just a few months later so we call this the hunter biden scandal but how how much is how how close are we to being able to identify that this is indeed a joe biden scandal
3: Well, that's I mean, that's really the heart of it is a lot of people trade on nepotism, you know, that, you know, but the real question is, what did Joe know? And when did he know it? And if he was involved, what was the extent of his involvement? And there's now, as I said, a growing body of evidence to show that he was meeting with business partners. You know, and we knew about, you know, hanging out on the golf course or stopping by at restaurants or whatever. But this is the first time we've really seen those business partners in the White House with him. And it's all, this doesn't come from the laptop. It comes from the Obama White House visitor logs. So there'll be no talk of Russian disinformation on this one.
4: (laughs) Second source indeed. Real quick, we're out of time. Eric Schwerin, has he been asked questions? What do we know about what he said about this?
3: You know i reached out to eric schwerin i didn't get a response i know that he appears in the hard drive consistently since 2000 and between 2009 and 2019 he's one of the most intimate one of the most intimate players in the whole saga as you mentioned earlier he had access to financial records for for joe biden they were talking about the mortgage they were talking about future financial stuff and you know but but we really need to flesh this out we really need to know what they were talking about what future earnings were they discussing And Mm -hmm. did they talk about the business?
4: We deserve to know. And maybe future Republican controlled committees uh, will ask those questions. John Levine, thanks for doing the great work. The New York Post has been ahead of this from the beginning. We
1: appreciate it. Do you realize what we are seeing play out before our eyes? We are actually seeing the expose of the entire structured, nasty, illegal, black whatever you want to call it to phrase something that is really ugly. We're seeing the underbelly of our government. It's playing out before our very eyes. This kind of stuff is not just happening all of a sudden now. It's been happening for years. We talk about Nancy Pelosi, her husband, Paul. We talk about their business dealings. The fact that she has almost been censured years ago in the U.S. House of Representatives for her backdoor dealing to make money and take advantage of opportunities that only she can because of information that she has as now House Speaker, been House Speaker once before, using that power to leverage. But those same things are happening across the board. We have 535 members of the United States Congress, 435 in the House, 100 in the Senate, a plethora of of other bureaucrats out there. And don't forget, we have hundreds of thousands of federal employees in various agencies that all have access because of their titles and what they do to things that you and I don't, possibilities of enriching ourselves. We are now just beginning to see in the public forum how deep, how high, and how wide. This corruption is, and as more and more of it comes out, folks, we should understand that this is a layer upon a layer upon a layer. It's a conditioning thing. If you are a, a habitual, well, l- let's use Adam Schiff, prime example. And I don't, I don't have any idea if he's wealthy or that's not what I'm talking about. I'm, I, I, I'm going to illustrate one thing about the corruption in government. I'm I'm confident that Adam Schiff is corrupt, but put that to the side. The, the example I want to illustrate here is the way he lies. He lies incessantly in public, under oath. It doesn't matter to him. He is a habitual liar. And I guarantee you when he began doing it in politics, when he first got elected to his first office, he was probably pretty tentative, and went very lightly as he was learning all the ropes. And so probably the first lie or two or three or 20 or 100 that he told when he became a member of the House of Representatives, he was a little uh, maybe withdrawn about doing it. But when there were no repercussions from the lies that he told, there was no accountability on his part. There was no forced accountability. Nobody was calling him out. And he was getting it from the other side of the aisle. They always do, but they always chalk that up to be partisanship. You know, if I say something, you're going to say something different. If you say something, I'm going to say something different. That's just the way government works, right? And so the opposition were the only ones calling him out. Everybody in his own party, they wouldn't do it. Why? Because they didn't want anybody calling them out. It's just a circle, a vicious circle of cycle of wrongdoing, of lying, of cheating, of stealing, taking advantage of people, taking advantage of situations that you help create. We are beginning to see the end of a Joe Biden administration that is going to go down in history as being, if not the most corrupt, one of the most corrupt administrations in presidential history in the United States. And at this particular point, it's really not that big a deal to Joe. Why? Because he's been doing it. He was part of the Obama administration. Barack Obama goes into office His wealth was his Senate salary when he got elected, $175,000 a year. After two terms, he comes out, his net worth is over $25 million. How does that happen? How does that happen? Not legitimately. If it was just one time, if it was one political elected official, it would be, you could explain it. but it's every one of them. And I'm not saying everybody in the Congress is corrupt. I don't think they are. I know a few people in Congress, and I know a few people that aren't corrupt in Congress, but I don't know any of the others. So I can't say how wide it is, but I can tell you this. It's there, and not only is it there, it's rampant. It is rampant. So let's move on. We have something that is looming before us. Every American does. Not just people down at the southern border in those southern border states. Every American. You basically have a port of entry at the city limits of your town or city where you live. I'm serious. They are shipping illegals from those coming across our southern border across the nation, all 50 states. They're even flying them to Hawaii of all places. Florida. Maine, of course, California, Washington State, Alaska, they're putting these illegals everywhere, they being the Joe Biden administration. So it's it's about to come to a head. You know it is. In fact, maybe it already is at a head. Right now, just to give you an example with this Title 42 thing pending, and we'll talk about that in a moment, right now today as we sit here, People in the Homelands of Security Department are privately admitting that 6,000 foreign nationals are staged today in Tijuana waiting to rush the U.S.-Mexico border when the Title 42 Public Health Authority ends on May 23rd. That's 6,000. That's one spot. 3,000 to 6,000 foreign nationals we are preparing for the worst-case scenario, one official said. Weeks ago, the CDC announced they would end the Title 42 on May 23rd. That authority has allowed feds over the past two years to quickly return illegals to their native countries after they get to our border. Another source said the number of people coming across is out of control and suggested that in just the Southern California sectors, agents are going to be overrun with the amount of illegal immigration expected. Without Title 42, even Biden officials admit they expect up to a half a million border crossers and illegal aliens. Half a million, which is the equivalent of Atlanta, Georgia's resident population. They're predicting half a million would come to the United States every month. Andy Biggs, a Republican in the House of Representatives from Arizona, he said in an interview that he expects 30,000 border crossers and illegals every day. The Biden administration's plan for ending Title 42 details broad-scale release mechanisms that transform the border into a mere checkpoint for these foreign nationals that show up every day under the plan that's out there. Biden seeks to cut deportations for border crossers and illegals. Instead, shifting to mechanisms like parole, notices to appear, which we already have that. And a third one, an alternative to detention, ATD program. Those are working really well right now, aren't they? I mean, they're flooding. They can't handle the flood down there now, and they don't want to. They just are opening the borders and saying, come on in. Oftentimes, taxpayer-funded non-governmental organizations, they're called NGOs, help the administration bus and fly border crossers and other illegals into our communities. From January 2021 to February 2022, Joe Biden released more than 756,000 border crossers and illegal aliens into the U.S. In March of this year, he released more than 80,000 In just one month, 80,000, a population larger than his hometown of Scranton, Pennsylvania. This is what we're facing. We're not facing it as a potential. It's already happening. It's already happening. Now, I don't care how big your heart is. I don't care what your political affiliation is. If you're an American citizen, or if you just live in the United States of America, this should be the number one thing outside of your personal financial situation that I guarantee is changing because of our massive inflation. This should be number one. Why is it? Because we don't want these people here? No. No. Do you realize the United States of America allows more legal immigrants to come into our nation every year than do any other country on the planet? That sounds like a big deal, but it's not just any one country on the planet. We let more legals come here, legally immigrate to the United States every year than do all the other countries on the planet combined. And yet that's not good enough for this administration and for Democrats. Over the weekend, Elizabeth Warren, she is a president wannabe. She's, I don't know if she's going to declare and run again in 2024, but she'll be hovering around the stage waiting. She said this in one sentence over the weekend. She said, Title 42, there's no evidence it has made us safer. And that with its release, termination, there is no evidence that will prove lawlessness will go up in the United States. A U.S. senator said that over the weekend, and she didn't smile when she said it. Let me just give you some facts. According to DHS status indicators, over 365,000 criminal aliens have been booked into local Texas jails between June 1st of 2011 and March 31st of this year. Over 365,000, this is just Texas. And of those 365,000, 250,000 were classified as illegal aliens. Over the course of their entire Texas criminal careers, these quarter of a million illegals were charged with more than 611,000 criminal offenses, which included arrests for 1,324 murder charges, 72,000 assault charges, 18,000 burglary charges, 77,000 drug charges, 1,100 kidnapping charges, 35,000 theft, 53,000 obstructing police, 4,409 robbery 7,615 sexual assault charges, 8,741 sexual offense charges, 9,000 weapon charges. Department of Public Safety and Texas criminal history records show those criminal charges have resulted in over 264,000 convictions, including 623 murder convictions, 30,000 assaults, 92,000 burglary, 37,000 drug convictions, 383 kidnapping convictions, 15,853 theft, 25,000 obstructing police convictions, 24,000 robbery, 3,854 sexual assault, 4,500 sexual offense convictions, and 3,665 weapon convictions. Don't think for a second, that this illegal activity at our southern border is faceless, that it will not come to your house, because it will. It will definitely impact you, and it's already doing it for hundreds of thousands of people in Texas alone. You know what I did over the weekend? I had these stats from Texas. I tried to get the same from California, from Arizona, and New Mexico They don't have them out there. I wonder why that is. Why wouldn't they publish the similar ones so we could compare with? Well, New Mexico's definitely a blue state. Arizona's on the border. California, blue state. Texas, conservative. They believe in one thing the other states apparently don't. The rule of law. And that laws come only from the U.S. Congress.
0: You're fighting back the tidal wave of deceit, lies, spin, and ignorance with TNN, the Truth News Network. The following is an important time-insensitive announcement from Staples. Now, for an unlimited time only, Staples is drastically cutting their everyday prices on hundreds of products your business needs. That's right. The clock is not ticking. Walk, crawl, or lolligag to Staples, and you will not miss this opportunity. These are everyday price cuts. Take a four-pack of AA Duracell batteries was four seventy-nine, now just two ninety-nine.
4: So it's this beautiful summer day, and while most guys would say let's go to the beach, Donnie
9: says... Hey, let's go to Pilgrim Furniture in Mattress City. They're having a warehouse sale.
4: I say, are you serious? He says...
9: Your place needs furniture, and at this sale, you can get beautiful stuff and save 50, 60, even 80%. So we go
4: to the Pilgrim Warehouse Sale. I buy a sofa, a love seat, and this really cute dinette set. But the big thing is, we pick it out together, Donnie and me. Maybe this relationship is going somewhere. The Warehouse Sale at Pilgrim Furniture in Mattress City.
1: Yeah, we need to we need to really look a little closer at what's happening right now at the southern border in preparation for all this. Guess what is going on? This happened over the weekend. A delegation of Republicans on the House Judiciary Committee that that would be Representative Darrell Issa, Tom McClintock, Scott Fitzgerald, Cliff Bentz, Victoria Sparts, They were set for a trip to go to the southern border over the weekend. And guess what happened? Biden's DHS official, specifically Secretary of Homeland Security Alejandro Mayorkas, stepped in to block the visit to the border. The Biden White House canceled our night trip to the border because they didn't want my Republican colleagues to see the flood of migrants, drugs, and trafficked kids that pass through the gaps in the border wall that administration refuses to close. That's Darrell Issa, who's a representative from. California. This night visit was a big deal for the Republican delegation because much of the illegal immigration on the California-Mexico border happens in the evening. Why is that? Large holes in the unfinished border wall, captured in some exclusive footage, show ideal paths for these border crossers to cross illegally into the U.S., specifically after the sun goes down. The next day, when those Republicans toured the border with DHS, the agency made a note to clear detention space before they got there. For instance, at the DHS's Imperial Beach Station, only about 80 to 85 border crossers were in detention when they arrived this delegation. The evening before, they had more than 200 border crossers in detention. They literally cleared out before the congressman arrived. On their tour... The delegation was taken to quiet locations across the San Diego sectors where these border crossings were not taking place, where no apprehensions were occurring. More than 221,000 border crosses were apprehended at the U.S.-Mexico border last month. About 80,000 were released into the U.S. interior through parole or other means. Put another way, For every 11 border crossers that are apprehended, four are released into American communities. Four of them live with you. So what can be done about this? Can we do anything about this? Well, somebody's trying. A group called the Problem Solvers Caucus which is an independent member-driven group in Congress. It's got 58 Republican and Democrat representatives from across the nation included. They have announced they've got some legislation they are aiming at extending Title 42. Today, the Problem Solvers Caucus endorsed the Bipartisan Public Health and Border Security Act of 2022 to stop the president from rescinding Title 42 immigration restrictions until all COVID-related national states of emergency are officially terminated. The Biden administration can consider lifting Title 42 after 60 days have passed from the ending of COVID-19. Once an announcement to terminate the health declaration is made— DHS, together with the Department of Homeland Security and other impacted stakeholders, by law, have 30 days to give to Congress a comprehensive plan to deal with the expected migrant surge at the border. If a plan is not submitted to Congress within 30 days, the lifting of Title 42 would be delayed until 30 days after a report is submitted. So here we are, April 25th. We're two days shy of a month away from that happening. Have you ever seen anything happen in Congress in less than a month regarding legislation? It's a novel attempt, but I got to be honest with you, even if you didn't have this administration that from top to bottom is all about opening the southern borders And building the Democrat Party as quickly as possible because, oh my gosh, we got this 2024 election coming up. We got to find a way to get these people the right to vote before then and make them understand they got to vote Democrats because we're the ones that gave them all this. They're just ratcheting down on every bit of this. Representative Henry Cuellar. I I don't know. Representative Cuellar, personally, I know several members of his family that have been in U.S. politics for a long, long time. On Saturday, he stated, we're seeing literally an open border and that the Biden administration's metric for handling the cistern, the uh, situation post-Title 42, it's not about stopping illegals and turning them back. According to Representative Cuellar, it's how do we move the migrants faster from the border to the interior? And that's not much of a plan. Cuellar said he's seen parts of the Biden administration's post-Title 42 plan. Part of it means they want to bring officers from the northern part over to the southern area. That's going to be just something they're going to do temporarily. And the metric I think they're looking at is how do we move the migrants faster from the border to the interior. I don't think that's a plan, with all due respect. And this is why there are other Democrats that have a problem, because what we're seeing, it's literally open border. It's an open border. And the more coming across and then Title 42 goes away, the numbers are going to definitely increase. We're going to see a situation where border patrol is going to continue to be overwhelmed. It's not like everybody doesn't know what's going on. I mean, everybody knows what's going on. And pretty much everybody knows why it's going on. However, two thirds of Americans don't agree that what's going on is acceptable and want it to stop. Two thirds. Two thirds of Americans want this to stop. The other third, obviously, members on the left that want open borders. And, you know, I get it. I do. There is a, is a very mixed batch of people that want it. A lot of these that want this to happen and have been actually paying hard dollars to keep it going, it's big corporations, especially those big agricultural corporations in the Southwest, because they can get workers coming out of Mexico for way, way, way less than they're paying for Americans to do the same jobs And because the federal government won't crack down on illegal immigration or even corporations that suborn illegal immigrations to get these workers over here, it's going to continue. It's going to get worse and worse and worse. And as we explained to you with the numbers, yeah, there are some good people that are coming in, but hundreds of thousands of criminal acts are being committed against Americans by a sector of these illegals that are coming in. Is it okay for you that 300 people have been murdered by the these illegals, parts of these illegals that have come in here? 300. Let me give you the exact number. I may be off. Where's that number again? Uh, 383 kidnappings, 623 homicide convictions. 623. Is anything in those numbers acceptable to you? Is anything in those numbers, do they back up with what Elizabeth Warren said over the weekend? There's no proof that Title 42 has stopped anything. It has stopped millions, Title 42, millions of people that were coming illegally. That gave the Trump administration a legal right to turn them around and send them back to Mexico, and they stopped coming in mass numbers. They quit coming because they were going to have to go over and stay. They couldn't come back until COVID was over. It, it will drive you nuts trying to think through and come up with the why for all this and we always go back there can only be one reason for it to pack the nation with wannabe new democrat voters and the democrats somehow some way they have a plan in which they if they remain in power and get a little more majority in the house and they get a majority in the senate they're going to find ways to give illegals the right to vote book it book it so we hadn't talked about COVID today. Is there anything to talk about? Well, yeah, there are a few tidbits in there that we can do to close the show. Some of this you don't know about. A California company, they have been popped by the feds and they've agreed to pay $22 bucks in fines after claiming to provide COVID test results within 24 hours, then falsifying results to meet demand. That's according to a criminal complaint that was filed on Wednesday. Samaday Health, operated by Samaday Technologies, they boast 55 testing centers across the country after setting up shop in September of 2020. For a simple $195, they promised consumers they would provide test results within 24 hours. That's a claim that Los Angeles City Attorney Mike Feuer and L.A. County District Attorney George Gascon argued was entirely impossible. According to the complaint, Samaday's promise was false. Samaday could not guarantee a 24-hour turnaround time as lab contracts expressly stated that they could not deliver results that quickly. In fact, out of more than 500 test results, confirmed or suspected to be faked, falsified, or forged, many results were provided before the outside labs ever got the test to analyze. It's beyond outrageous that anyone would falsify COVID test. This attorney from LA Fuhrer said in a statement, as we alleged happened here, if you get a negative test, you think it's safe to go to work. Visit family and friends. Take a vacation. But the victims of this scheme might unknowingly have spread COVID to others or failed to receive timely and appropriate care themselves. I just go over COVID myself. I just got over COVID myself and know how essential it is to have accurate test results. This landmark resolution will stop this scheme, give restitution to consumers and insurers, and oppose severe Penalties. The settlement agreed to included $13 million to the city and county of L.A. Why would they get anything? The city. They get $13 million of the $22 million. Of course, what they are going to do with it, it says, $13 million goes towards enforcement of consumer protection laws. About $9.6 million as restitution for consumers impacted by the scheme follow the money, follow the money. And there's another COVID fake situation that's being addressed now. New York City teachers, other education staff, have been placed on unpaid leave. Why? Using fake COVID-19 vaccine cards. That's according to a teacher's union. The United Federation of Teachers told local media Friday that about 70 of its members are being accused of using falsified vaccine cards and were told they would be placed on unpaid leave. This union's general counsel, Beth Norton, decried the allegation saying that it is wholly improper for the Department of Education to unilaterally remove those labor union members from the payroll based on mere conjecture that vaccination documents are fraudulent during a new york city news conference, mayor Eric Adams addressed the controversy, allegations about fake vaccine cards are under investigation. He said, I'm really disappointed to learn there were fake vax cards. He's a Democrat and the mayor, but he was said he was really disappointed. Not only is it illegal, it undermines our entire trust. So my understanding is it's being investigated we're going to see the outcome of an investigation. And have you heard about what's happening in Rhode Island? This one just kind of blew my mind. A Rhode Island state Democrat, he's getting blasted because he's proposed a particularly draconian vaccine mandate that calls for unvaccinated Rhode Island residents to be forced to pay twice the amount in state income taxes. State Senator Samuel Bell wrote this bill. It specifically states that every unvaccinated Rhode Island resident 16 years or older must pay a monthly civil penalty of $50 and twice the amount of personal income taxes as would otherwise be assessed. According to Laurie Gaddis Barrett, a concerned Rhode Island parent, The bill also applies to parents with unvaxxed children. Bell introduced the bill because he believes there's an ongoing COVID crisis in Rhode Island, according to the Boston Globe. The reason I introduced the bill is we have a crisis. Thousands of Rhode Islanders have died. I've had really painful calls from constituents who can't go to the store because they're immunocompromised, who have lost loved ones to this pandemic, who are really ill not fully recovered, suffering long-term effects. So according to data from Worldometers, while the number of cases in Rhode Island has ticked up slightly in recent weeks, hitting a high of 344 on Friday of last week, they're nowhere near their higher high of nearly 7,000 per day that was being registered just a few months ago in January. Bell also introduced the bill because he likely believes everybody should be forced into compliance, listen to this, for the sake of his immunocompromised son who reportedly suffers from interstitial lung disease. My son's condition has made me feel more compassionate and ready for the heavy level of abuse I knew I'd receive. I love my son more than I can put it into words. And the idea of him not being able to interact with people and to go to school, those things terrify me. And I'm not the only parent of a child with a serious immune condition, he said. It's not clear whether he realizes the vaccinated can contract and spread COVID just like the unvaccinated. Wow. You feel for a kid like that. You feel for a parent like that. We all do. We don't want our kids to be sick. But to try to force every resident in Rhode Island, 16 years or older, try to take away their health rights. Whatever happened to my body, my choice? (laughs) Where'd the left go? Huh? Well, you know where they went. That, 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 applies only to one thing and one thing only abortion abortion that's all it applies to when it comes to this oh no 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 big government we have the right to tell everybody's got to be jabbed and he wants to make it come with a a really big cost for people who just want to live their lives and not have to do it at the behest of anybody in government Last quarter hour of this show, you don't want to miss it. We're going to take our last break. When we come back, I've got a couple of stories that will actually blow your freaking mind. Don't go anywhere. Genuine Ford
0: Parts and Service presents A Word from Your Wallet.
1: Are
6: we at the gas station? Yeah,
4: I know. I'm feeling these gas
0: prices too. I'm
6: the wallet down here. Head to a Ford dealership. Why? Proper vehicle maintenance. A new air filter can save 19 cents a gallon. Correct tire inflation up to 6 cents a gallon. Wow, that
4: sure adds up.
6: (laughs) Fat wallets are very in right now.
0: Right now, Motorcraft air filter replacement is just $19.95 or less. Replacing a dirty air filter can increase fuel economy. Me by as much as ten percent. Well,
6: done. That was easy. Maybe you should listen to your wallet more often. Well, you're typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in the uh, uh, uh,
0: uh hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today.
6: Today on Hey Culligan softer equals
1: know who Steve Hilton is? Steve Hilton does a show on uh, Sunday evening on Fox News. He's the guy with the uh, British accent. Um, he's a very conservative guy, unusual for somebody coming over from the UK. But when he came, just to give you a little quick background, his wife was a high up person in Twitter. Yeah, she was in Twitter. Now, when I say high up, she had a title like vice president, something like that. I don't remember exactly what she did, but she was very connected. She's no longer there. But Hilton is not reticent at all to share his personal opinion about pretty much anything to do with the country in which he lives now, which is the United States. And with this latest Mass mandate overturned by that attorney down in Florida that the left are going crazy over. Steve Hilton weighed in with some pretty very, very positive angry thoughts about this whole debacle.
10: Finally, thanks to this judge Catherine Kimball-Mazell, the totally unjustified anti-science federal mask mandate was finally put out of its misery this week. Now, the experts are saying, of course no one should be wearing a cloth mask. Listen to this
3: they can also hand out free N95s or K95s and the equivalent masks, because these high quality masks, if you're going to wear a mask, wear a high quality mask. People should not be wearing a cloth mask thinking that they're well protected.
10: Did you hear that? People should not be wearing a cloth mask thinking that they're well protected. Yes, exactly. That's what some of us were saying two years ago when experts like that, were accusing those who questioned the effectiveness of cloth masks of pushing medical misinformation that was killing people but even as the political media and medical establishment lectured the rest of us their own behavior showed that they knew they were lying remember this GROTESQUE SCENE FROM A FUNDRAISING LUNCH HOSTED BY NANCY ANTOINETTE IN NAPA VALLEY LAST SUMMER WHERE THE RICH WHITE WOKE DEMOCRAT DONORS LOUNGED AROUND MASKLESS WHERE THE ONLY PEOPLE OF COLOUR THE DEMOCRATS NEVER STOPPED GOING ON ABOUT WERE THE PEOPLE SERVING THEM THEIR CHAMPAGNE AND CANAPES ALL FORCED TO WEAR MASKS. SO DISGUSTING, SO UTTERLY DECADENT. THEY KNEW THE CLOTH MASKS WERE A WASTE OF TIME. THAT'S WHY THEY DIDN'T WEAR THEM AT THE HAIR SALON. HAVING DINNER AT THE FRENCH LAUNDRY about the nightclub when they were feeling the spirit. Masks for the working class, maskless for the ruling class. And then they were literally unmasked as the snooty, despicable elitist they really are. Now, finally, the madness is over thanks to that federal judge in Florida, which reminds us just how important our constitution really is. Decentralization of power, checks and balances, But, of course, the control-crazed technocrats and bureaucrats can't stand it just as we pry away their pandemic power grabs finger by finger. They desperately try to claw it back. Lunatic anti-science mania still in progressive cities around the country. The San Diego MTS will still require masks. Same thing in New York, the MTA taxis and now... In a laughable attempt to save face, Biden is having his own Justice Department appeal the mask ruling with the CDC saying the masks are necessary for the public health. Cloth masks, necessary for public health. These people have so discredited themselves over the past two years, it is clear that the CDC is not necessary for the public health. The CDC was once known as the world's leading public health agency. What a joke. I'd get better health advice from my chickens and the public health bureaucrats just can't take the fact that no one trusts them anymore. Here's former CDC director Tom Frieden whining on
0: NPR. What we've seen over the past few years is partisanship infecting individual measures like vaccination and masking and more broadly public health measures.
10: Oh, it's partisanship that's destroyed trust in public health bureaucrats, is it? No, Tom Frieden, you've done it all on your own by denying science and relentlessly pushing ineffective, unjustified micromanagement of our lives. Look, if, if people want to keep wearing their masks, whatever, in America, that is of course their right, just as long as they never dare lecture the rest of us ever again about believing the science when it comes to COVID, climate, or anything else. But exactly as it is their right to make their own decisions, it is our right too. That's what the Constitution guarantees. And so it was a fitting end to this week of humiliation for the failed medical establishment when Fauci popped up and pooped off about how terrible it all is that a judge had the temerity to overrule them.
2: And we are concerned about that, about courts getting involved in things that are unequivocally public health decisions. I mean, this is a CDC issue. It should not not have been a court issue.
10: Uh, We are concerned. Was that the royal we? He literally declared that he thinks he's above the law. It is that kind of arrogance that most likely created the pandemic in the first place. Fauci recklessly commissioning gain-of-function research in Wuhan, breaking Obama and Trump administration rules. When will Fauci and all the other arrogant bureaucrats who've caused so much pain, death and destruction be held accountable? Tell us what you think at Steve Hilton X and at N C and share this message when we post
6: it. Hey, Sean Hannity here.
1: Well, there you heard Steve Hilton. He just unloaded with his opinion on things. Animated. But you know what? What you heard there were facts. They're not going to be. Hit. He asked a question at the end there. When will they be held accountable? Those doing this. Dr. Anthony Fauci. When will he ever be held accountable? He won't be. Nobody's held accountable in D.C., with the exception of those that support free speech, support the ability to weigh in on that health care, theirs, and for their children. Those of us that believe that's factual, oh my gosh, we're crazy. We're nutjobs. We can't express our opinions anymore. Twitter shut us down. Facebook shut us down. YouTube pulls off videos. Free speech is dead. They won't weigh in, and they certainly won't take accountability for it. But what they're doing while we're doing that, well, these same people, they started in colleges. But now, listen to this, trans closets, trans closets, rooms stocked with transgender clothes and accessory for students to change into after they get to school and change back out of before go home. Are being discovered in public schools with some indication they're being kept a secret from parents. It's happening all across the country. In a recent TikTok video, a California teacher implies the trans closet he started at the high school where he works is meant to be kept from parents. The goal of the transition closet is for our students to wear the clothes that their parents approve of, come to school, then swap out into the clothes that fit who they truly are. That's what the teacher said. The California Family Council and others eventually confirmed the identity of the teacher as Oakland Unified School District Spanish teacher Thomas Martin Edwards, who is also the founder of Queer Teacher Fellowship. Martin Edwards, the teacher who runs the Trans Closet, is also transgender. He's posted videos of himself in the classroom showing off the stilettos he wears to school. Neither Martin Edwards, a former assistant principal in another school district, nor the school responded when they were asked about this. This is an example of the deceit schools are deliberately using to carry out a growing transgender movement in public schools behind the backs of parents. You can't couch it any other way. In addition to the gender ideology craziness, this school is teaching kids it's acceptable to defy their parents. California Family Council first discovered the trans closet through a Facebook post by a nonprofit group that calls itself the Transition Closet. On its Facebook page, This group, the Transition Closet, states it is working with one of the district's high schools to create a Trans Closet posting. We are extremely excited to begin our journey in working with Fremont High School of Oakland, California, along with our favorite teacher of TikTok, at Just a Queer Teacher. Amari Rausch, who is the founder of the Transition Closet, said that her organization does support keeping the existence of trans closets at schools secret from parents. Why? Because of the abuse, she says, children often face at home if they disclose to their parents that they are transgender. We do provide a safe space for kids whose parents are not accepting because it's known to help lower the suicide rate. These kids are going to do it anyway. We just want a way to provide them with a way to do it safely to where they're not wearing clothes that are too small for them or doing it in a way that's going to get them hurt by their parents. Roush emphasized school was the best venue to provide trans kids with trans clothing. Kids at school, 40 hours a week. That's where they spend most of the time. That's where they form most of their relationships. Clothing is a big part of how we express ourselves and those kids that are able to express themselves correctly are able to feel supported correctly. Another trans closet being operated out of the Denver Conservatory Green Middle School in Colorado was recently posted about on social media. The Twitter post, as you can imagine, ignited a flurry of messages slamming the school for encouraging transgenderism among students as young as 12. This is grooming, tweeted one Colorado man, police should come to the classroom, arrest whoever the teacher is in this classroom. It's happening. It's happening every day. Got to be aware of it all, folks. Step in. Make sure your kids aren't getting caught up in this stuff. That brings the show to a close today, and we're not going to leave on a down note. We're not. How about Nelly and Christina Aguilera? You know who they are? Nelly's a rap singer. Christina Aguilera, of course, big name on the voice. One of the greatest singers in contemporary music. Remember this song? Tilt your head back. I see you tapping your toe and clapping your hands. You have a great Monday. We'll see you tomorrow morning, 9 to 11 a.m. right here at TNN Live. 안녕
9: <목소리>